Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into ranking formulas on today's statistics episode. Before we dive into the main topic for today's episode, uh, there is a little bit of uh, listener email to read. Uh, you know, I mentioned um, the fact that, uh, you know, Moran, who has, you know, emailed into the show before, and I never explicitly, like, read his, like, emails into the show, and it's been so long that, I don't know, like, he and I have corresponded significantly and frequently enough that uh and i've like i've referenced him and you know the scavenger hunt uh predictions and things like that so but i but i never exactly read verbatim something that he sent into the show outside of those things but for today's episode we have some actual listener email and i think going forward when this is something that needs to be done I'm just going to put it at the beginning of the Friday episodes. Uh, whatever the top main topic for Friday is, uh, they will have whatever listener email I've received since last Friday. Or, yeah, and in front of them. So, today's listener email comes from James. And James is half of the Cinerealist podcast. So, the people I've talked about frequently on this show, one of them wrote in. And this is uh, this is his his listener email. So he says, Ryan, just finished listening to your recent Kingsman episode and wanted to drop you a line to say I'm really enjoying your show. I'm a little ashamed to admit I'm late to the party and only recently started listening on a regular basis. Keep up the good work. Thanks. That means so much. Uh, you know, I you know, given the fact that I talk about these guys all the time. You know, it's not, it probably shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that I say, like, when I say that, like, these are, their podcast is one of the main reasons I had decided to do my own. And uh, I think this is amazing. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that Zach, also from the Sin Realist podcast, has also commented on the, the show itself. And uh, if you listen to the show on iTunes, I don't have it in front of me right this second, but he, uh, actually, maybe I do have it in front of me right this second. And in fact, I do. So I do have uh, Zach's iTunes review. Uh, he gives it, gives the show, this is from March. So this is like super old and, and but I figured no better time to dredge it up than to couple it with James's email. So, uh, Zach's comment is from March 20th, five stars, uh, thoughtful movie analysis from an avid movie fan. I'm currently binge listening to this podcast. I'm really enjoying the combination of thoughtful story-based analysis of movies, new and old, as well as lots of discussion about the relative merits of different films by the numbers. Um... Uh, da, 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 da. one of the only podcasts with only one host that's worth listening to 
definitely recommend. And that's so nice. That that means so much to me. And uh, I'm very appreciative and, and grateful for those nice words that both of them have sent in. So, uh, yeah, going forward, I will not wait seven months to, to read uh, listener feedback and, and emails and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, if you want your stuff read, uh, just send it in and Friday's episode will feature it. So thank you both again. And now let's move into the bulk uh, topic for the show. So I mentioned that the topic of today's show would be ranking formulas. And what I mean by that is I've mentioned, I've talked before about the formula I use to rank actors and writers and directors. And that formula, I added uh, four values. Um, The first is the average uh, rating I've given every film that I've seen from that person. The second is how many times they were nominated for an Oscar in that given in that field, how many times they won an Oscar in that field, and then a value that represents the distribution of films in that field. So at the time, this was five points for every film rated 100, four points for film rated in the 90s, three films for an 80 to 89 rated film, two points in the 70s, one point in the 60s, zero points for a film rated in the 50s, minus one point for a film rated between 25 and 49, and minus two points for a film rated between zero and 24. Uh, So, you know, when you look back at the top 10 actor lists uh, for each month based on when they were born, that is how these people are being rated, or ranked, sorry. And the score that they have is completely representative of those values. Uh, So if I go and look at... Uh, see, I haven't done October's top 10 yet, but if I go back and look at, say, September, the number one person from September was Tom Hardy. Uh, he was ranked 14th overall. He, I've seen, I'd seen 19 films that he'd been in. He had a 76 average film rating, a f- value of 44, and a score overall of 121, even. And... The biggest problem I had with the way that that formula ranked people against each other is that it inclusively contained uh, some inherent biases within itself. And I didn't, I knew that I needed to figure out a way to eliminate some of those biases, but I wasn't sure how to do it smoothly. And some of those biases are uh, low film count bias. So looking at someone like Olivia de Havilland, who has only been in four films, if you go back to July, for the top 10 from July, uh, she is ranked fifth in July. And at the time, she was 52nd overall with only four films seen. She had a film average film rating of 91, a value of 14 for a score of 109. And because all four of her films were so well, I rated them so highly, uh, on top of the fact that she's been nominated for three Oscars between the four of them, winning once, uh, that strong representation of her body of work 
ranked her 52nd above people who have far higher values, uh, who've been nominated and won more Oscars, you know, the and just have a stronger body of work because they do the same with like 25 films or 30 films. So small film count bias was definitely a, th- a problem. On the other hand, there was large film count bias. So looking at someone like, say, uh, Johnny Depp, if you go back to June's top 10 list, uh, Johnny Depp, with his 46 films at the time, was ranked 50th overall, had an average film rating of 59.28, a value of 47, and a score of 109.28. And despite the fact that he had 15, I think, let me see, um, 14, um, I want to say 14, 15, 15, 15. Despite the fact that he had 15 films rated below 50, he was still very highly rated because he had an overwhelmingly high number of positively rated films. And I wanted the formula, the ultimate formula, to accurately give, like, accurately rank these people. Uh, without these kinds of biases. So, uh, my first inclination was that the that one of the elements of this formula was being weighted too heavily. And the thing that I pointed out, point that I was directed to first was the average film rating uh, value. And so, I needed a way to adjust that value in such, insofar as that way th- that value meant more the more films you got, but not so substantially more that being in 100 films as opposed to being in 40 films was an insanely higher level of score. Like an insanely higher advantage. So I I guess as you know, you could say that the difference between 5 and 10, 10 films was highly significant, but the difference between 10 and 30 films far less significant. And what I ultimately came upon was a essentially a function of x where when x is 0 then the value is 0, but the closer x gets to infinity, the closer the value of y gets to 1. So if you don't remember your algebra and and calculus and that sort of thing, think of it as uh, a graph where the y-axis goes from 0 to 1. You with me? And then the curve of the line for this function starts at 0, and the greater the value of x, where x is the number of films. So the more films this person has been in, the closer this number becomes to 1. And what this ultimately does is, if uh, if your average film rating is 100, no matter how many films you've been in, Uh, if you've only been in one film with an average of 100, your average film rating value is a third of what it what it what it actually is. Uh, So an easy way to think of this, and I made a sort of small chart here. Uh, So 
Ultimately, what this does is it multiplies the average film rating for each person by a number. And that number depends on how many films they've been in. In the So using 100 as the average film rating, for one film, a person's average film rating drops to 33.3 repeating. Uh, when the, In their second film, it's 50%. In their third film, it's, it goes up to 60. Uh, by the time they hit their sixth film, they jump up to 75% of their actual average film rating. Eight films is 80%. 14 films is 87.5%. 18 films is 90%. 23 films is 92%. 30 films is 93.75%. 38 films were at 95% of the actual average film rating 48 films is 96% 62 films is 96.875% 78 films is 97.5% 98 films is 98% and uh, you'd have to get to probably 200 films to hit 99% of the actual value but you can see that you know if you look at the difference between um, 38 and 48 films, it's 1%. Whereas the difference between, say, 6 and 8 films is 5%. So each film you I've seen from each person impacts their average film rating score by some incremental margin. And the smaller the total number of films I've seen, the greater the impact. So... If I look at the spreadsheet right now, and I'm looking at the actors, I've got, you You can look at somebody like Gloria Swanson, who was nominated for her performance in Sunset Boulevard, and that's the only film of hers I've seen, and I gave Sunset Boulevard a 98, so very high, and because it's a film right in the 90s, it has this particular value attached to it, and she was nominated for an Oscar for it, so under the old rules, she was, she received 98 points from her film rating, Four more points for it being in the 90s, so 102. And then another point for being nominated for an Oscar. So 103 points would have been her score. Under the current system, that 98 is cut, is divided by 3. So it becomes about 32.6. Uh, and that means that her score is somewhere in the mid-30s when you add the value of her film being rated in the 90s and her Oscar nomination. So that's a huge drop. And this allowed me to really cut hard on people who had been in a small number of films that were very highly rated. And I was very pleased with this change. This, this was a good change for me. But it didn't address large quantity bias. And in fact, I think only made it worse, all things told. And so I needed a different way to adjust these values um, because, you know, the two biggest quantity people I've seen, Frank Welker and Samuel Jackson, you know, Welker is at 95 film scene, Samuel Jackson is at uh, 74, I want to say, 74, I can look it up, why wouldn't I? Yes, 74. And so I was actually communicating with uh, Moran to try and figure this out because he keeps a similar type of 
I thought of him immediately when I was trying to figure out this sort of coefficient for film counts because he uses a similar method with his spreadsheet for directors. And so he and I were talking the other day about uh, sort of polishing up and adjusting these the weights of these values to better represent high-quality acting slash directing slash writing. And after adjusting things with this formula, Frank Welker and Samuel Jackson moved into the top 20. They were both very high. And, you know, he he said to me, you know, his he looked at uh, his own uh, formula and, and the way he ranks things. And using the way I do, using the formula I'd come up with, it doesn't really change too much of... Uh, what he's working on, you know. So, I think, but then one of the things he pointed out was the fact that Samuel Jackson and Frank Welker are so highly rated, he pointed to a different thing that needed to be adjusted. So, the next thing that was weighted too highly, we determined, was the value. So, when I said before, you know, films rated in the 90s were given four points, rated in the 80s given three points, etc., that was yielding far too high numbers for people who have been in a lot of movies. And I think like Sherry Lynn's value at the time was 97. She's number one. She's ranked number one. And, you know, you look at somebody like, you know, Frank Welker, who's been in 95 films, 29 of them are rated between 25 and 49. 14 of them are rated between zero and 24. And his value was still, at the time, you know, something like, uh, I don't know, it's probably like in the 30s or 40s. You know, his value was still incredibly high given all these bad films he's been in. And so Moran's suggestion was to cut the value in half. And I tried that. And it is effective. Like, it immediately adjusted things, but it adjusted things evenly too a little too evenly for me it didn't uh, focus in on some of the problems that I was finding myself in and so what I did come up with is adjusting how much each film is worth so films rated a hundred right now are worth three points instead of five uh, so that drops by two points Films rated in the 90s are now worth two points instead of four, so also a drop of two points. Films rated in the 80s are worth one and a half points. Films rated in the 70s are worth one point, and films rated in the 60s are worth half a point. I'd toyed with the idea of using half a points for these values before, uh, earlier on when I was working on the spreadsheet, but I never, I didn't want them to be worth, I didn't want to use half points at all. Uh, unfortunately, I am now. And I'm actually okay with it. I think I've, I've gotten beyond the uh, issues that I was feeling for this before. Films rated in the 50s are still worth zero points. And this is what really makes all the difference. Films rated between 25 and 49 are still worth minus one point, And films rated between zero and 24 are still worth minus two points. So the only thing that's cut are the films that are positively rated. So, yes, this still affects everyone across the board, but 
the more bad films you've been in, the harder this change affects you. So that's why Samuel Jackson and Frank Welker, who were in the top 20, uh, are now far below that. Frank Welker dropped to 923rd. Uh, his value dropped to 1.5, even almost like zero. Uh, but you know, he's still well positioned given the fact that his value is almost zero. And then Samuel L. Jackson dropped to just under 400. He's at 393 right now with a value of 8. Uh, his previous value was in the mid-50s. And this is a huge blow. But he's been in 16 films that have rated between 25 and 49. And 13 films that have rated between 0 and 24. So, you know, for me, I think this makes sense. I think this is beneficial. And... Given all of this, I was very pleased with the results that came up. And, uh, you know, I expressed, you know, I, I shared these changes to um, to Moran and, like, explained that. And, you know, I liked this change. The previous average value that a person had prior to making this change was 6.65. So if I just cut them half, the average value becomes 3.32. This change makes the average value 1.42. So it's a huge drop, but it definitely rewards higher consistency a lot better. And I think higher consistency is really what I want without being a, too biased towards people with low film counts. And so with this change, someone like Olivia de Havilland, who's only been in four films, uh, which means that she gets... 66.6% of her average film rating in her total score uh, is ultimately, with four films, her score is now 70.17, which is really low when you compare it in the old system, but that keeps her at 206. So she's very highly rated still, but not at the top of the list in the same way. And then the last thing... I wanted to adjust is uh, Oscars. And I think because I still want those to matter because I think they do matter. But I thought that I weighted them a little too heavily. Not quite as heavily as the other things I'd been working on. But Oscar wins, I kept the same. Those are still worth one point apiece. Oscar nominations, however are cut in half. So, looking at someone like a Meryl Streep, who was in, I think, the top, in the 40s originally, she drops to somewhere, in, at, she drops to 76th, because her 14 Oscar nominations are now worth 7 points instead of 14. And, you know, someone like Katherine Hepburn, whose 11 nominations aren't worth 11 points anymore, they're worth 5.5, and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, Nomin being nominated is not as rewarding as winning, and I think that is how things should be reflected. What this means is that under the current new system, uh, the, your average, your, your total score comes down to this. It takes your average film rating multiplied by a coefficient that is based on how many films you've been in, where the more films you've been in, the closer that number become 
gets to one, it adds that number with the total number of Oscars won with half of the number of Oscars you've been nominated for and then adds the new film value to that where the film value using the same exact tiers that I had before instead of five four three two one zero negative one negative two it becomes three two one and a half one half zero minus one minus two so what this does it changes a lot of things so if you look at my top 50 actors list on letterboxd i've already updated that to accurately reflect these changes as well as adjusted what the formula looks at in the description of the thing and now where over 100 people in the previous system had a score of 100 or more only three people the top three have a score of 100 or more in this current system value has become far harder to obtain and where it was actually generally pretty difficult to have a negative value in the past adam sandler has the lowest value of everyone on the spreadsheet with negative 36 uh, so <laughs> he's still somehow not at the bottom of the list overall but he has far and away the lowest value of everybody on this spreadsheet and in fact, you, going up all the way here, there are approximately 1,263 people on this list who have a negative value. And yet, some of those people, if I, let me see, I can figure out exactly how many. Some of those people are actually rated or scored such that they are in the top 50 percentile. They're in the 50th percentile of people. And so if I sort by score instead, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the highest rated person with a negative value. So he's ranked 1,252nd. He has a negative 0.5 value, a score of 51.37. And 1,252nd is actually pretty good, all things considered. You know, there's almost 4,000 people in this list, so he is in the top third, uh, at least. And I think this is a far more accurate representation of what these numbers are supposed to represent. And now, because it is so much more difficult to increase your value based on the ratio of ratings to what their values are worth you're looking at only uh, 19 people with a value of 20 or more and that i'm very pleased by only three people have a value of 30 only one person has a value of 40 it's very difficult to come by and now these bad films which were originally punishing and you know they were meant to be punishing. That's why I added the negative two value. But now, because before a negative two value would cancel out a film that you'd had rated in the 70s, instead it now cancels out a film rated in the 90s. And that is far more devastating to someone's total score on the whole. And that I am very, very happy about. So, uh, 
What this means for going forward with the top 10 month-born actors list is that will follow the new ranking system. Uh, I will leave, once I've completely finished updating and inputting all the statistics from the previous top 10 lists onto the website, those will remain until they're overwritten. So effectively, going forward, October's rankings will be the first official rankings of the new system. And when we get back to March next year, uh, I won't, I will still reference the changes because the system, because I have those in place and I can look at where people have fallen based on what the old system ranked them as. But those old rankings will then disappear after that point and no longer, and they won't impact the overall statistics of the month born actors system. So, uh, yeah, pretty pleased. So I also applied this to writers and directors, like I had mentioned. And these very similar effects happened in both of those lists as well. You know, now the top, it was actually a far more obvious effect in, in these lists because it's far harder. You know, I have, I've seen far less films from specific writers and directors than I have from actors where the average number of films I've seen from each actor on my list is just about eight but for directors it's almost it's just under two and for writers it's even lower it's about one and a half so this absolutely decimated the scores across all the directors and writers uh, their values are now both about an average of 0.3 uh, so not even one and the well for actors the mid the top let's say thousand actors have a score of about 54 or greater the top thousand writers of which we have far more writers than actors uh, there are five over 5,000 writers on my spreadsheet right now. The top 1,000 of them are at 33 or greater. So, like, the bar is so low. A single film rated 92 or above is good enough to be in the top 1,000 for the writers right now. That's all you need. One film. Uh, as far as directors go, the top thousand directors are at 25 and a half or above even lower barrier the you know you, you a single film rated 74 or above is good enough simply because like the the scores are so dramatically affected by this value and maybe that's indicative of my needing to adjust uh, the the formula for writers and directors differently, but I like the idea of them all being rated in the same in the same way, and in such that the top writer currently is Quentin Tarantino, uh, who has eleven films, an average film rating of eighty three point seven three, a value of sixteen point five, uh, and a total score of ninety point eight five. He would only be ranked tenth on the actor spreadsheet.
Uh, whereas the highest ranked director, which is currently Christopher Nolan, also at 11 films, average film rating of 87.27, value of 19, has a score of 92.85, he would be ranked ninth on the actor spreadsheet. And so kind of ranking the writers against the directors is a lot easier. The, the numbers match up a lot better. But when you add in the actors, the the the, the scale and the the range gets adjusted so wildly by comparison that it's really difficult to make a one to one comparison between these two types of people. Uh, so I'm very happy with these changes. I am. I guess like anytime I make a significant change to at this scope, I kind of always end up with this feeling of needing to watch more movies. And, you know, cause like now I'm looking at the writer and director's sides of the spreadsheet and I'm saying like, look, I need to get a second film watched for all of these directors that only have one film or all of these writers who've only written one film. And, I'm looking at the uh, actor's spreadsheet. So if I go to here, this is what I can do. Previously, uh, on if I look at, say, September, which is the most recent top 10 actors list I've done, the previous list from top to bottom was Tom Hardy, Bill Murray, Ian Holm, Madeline Kahn, Michelle Williams, Gwyneth Paltrow, Toby Jones, Keanu Reeves, Bonnie Hunt, and Patty Considine. That was my top 10 last month. Under the new system, the top 10 is a little different. So now it goes Tom Hardy, still number one. Bill Murray, still number two. Ian Holm, still number three. Michelle Williams, Madeline Kahn. So four and five have swapped places. Martin Freeman, who was not on the list before. Patty Considine is number six, seventh. Uh, so he's moved up three spots. Keanu Reeves is still in eighth. Bonnie Hunt is still ninth, and Gwyneth Paltrow drops from 6th to 10th. So Toby Jones is not in the top 10 anymore, and Mar Martin uh, Freeman is. And that's because his number of bad films is very low, whereas Toby Jones has six films rated poorly, and so he took a much harder value cut than anybody else did. Uh, previously, looking at Tom Hardy and Bill Murray, Hardy had a 44 value before this. He now has 20. Bill Murray had a 53 value before this. Now he also has 20. So that just kind of shows how big a difference things are. You know, Tom Hardy gained nine points in score on Bill Murray purely through their values. And while he was only a point ahead of him, when I did the September list, he's now six points ahead uh, based on the new scoring system. And while I used, I made a note before, I, or I would make a note when I did these lists before about how you know the top 10 are all at 100 points or more, the top 10 for September, none of them break 90. And Tom Hardy's the highest, ranked 13th overall, doesn't break 90. So I also like the idea of a hundred kind of being number one. That makes more sense to me. You know, you're not looking at these scores in the 160s, 170s. You know, only three people above 100 means that 100 is kind of perfect. You know, people in a hundred at 100 are 
quite, you know, the best around. And I think that is how it should be done. That's where the rankings need to be, in my opinion. And I, I'm, I'm happy with this change. I'm very, I very much am excited to kind of understand this more because the old system, it was very easy to determine what was going to happen to a person's score based on where the movie was rated. You know, I knew any film rated in the 80s, they're going to gain at least three points in their score, probably a little bit more with their average film rating going up. Uh, so it was pretty easy for me to peg exactly what this person's score is going to be at the end of it and kind of how far up they're going to move. Now, it's a lot harder to do that. And now I'm looking at things and saying, okay, this person just had a film rated in the 60s and they lost value. Or this person just had a film rated in the 30s and they gained value, you know, because if that film rated in the 30s is their second, third, fourth film, then they're gaining so many extra points because their multiplier against their average film rating is so much higher now that it doesn't matter that they lost all those points from that bad movie. And uh, that in and of itself is exciting for me. Now I have to learn a new system. And so the last few movies that I've put into the spreadsheet with this new system in place, you know, I'm going through every single actor, every single director, every single writer as I'm putting these values in and saying, okay, this film that I rated 65, how exactly does it affect these people depending on where they are on the spreadsheet, depending on how many movies they've been in? Because I'm trying to understand this format better and give myself more of an idea of what needs to be done. Uh, you know, going into a movie, I can say, okay, you know, this is the last movie I'm watching before I'm going to record the top 10 list. What does this have to be to be able to move this person into the top 10 or out of the top 10? This, that, and the other thing. You know, is it simply good enough for this movie to be rated below 50? It might not be anymore. Or is it simply good enough for this film to be rated above 50? It might not be anymore. Like, that's... I don't know. I, I like this. It's 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 exciting. It's a new foray into uncharted territory, and that is a good thing. It's a very good thing. So that is what has changed as far as the film spreadsheet ranking formula for writers, directors, and actors. And I am looking forward to recording and putting up the top 10 for October. Uh, this will probably come out next week, uh, one of the episodes next week. Probably not Wednesday's episode. Uh, if I had to guess, it'll be Monday's episode. You know, Monday's of the, you know, Monday's the best for that kind of thing. Wednesday's the worst for that kind of thing. When you add the uh, Fantasy Movie League update at the back of it, it just kind of I don't know, it's like another six minutes on top of a two-hour-long episode already, so kind of going to tr probably try to ignore that element of things, but uh, we'll see. It really depends on like what when I take the time to sit down and, and record. So that's going to be it for today's episode. Uh, thanks once again to James and Zach for their kind words. Thank all of you for continuing to listen. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you can send those to circleoffilm at gmail.com. 
If you're more interested in the spreadsheet, the formulas, the me, the podcast, head over to circleoffilm.com. And if you would like to support the show in any way, shape, or form, uh, check out patreon.com slash circleoffilm. And, as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me. Even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be to Saint Adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, I'll be to Saint. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.